Thanks for joining us at All Things Reconsidered for another episode. I'm Joey, and as always, Brandon's here with me. And today we're going to get into some great stuff. We're going to talk about the myths of deconstructing. If you're like us, you have gone through a phase, or maybe you're still in that phase, of rethinking what you believe about your faith. Reconsidering, and, some would say. Yeah, reconsidering all things, perhaps. All things. And um, you're rebuilding your faith and trying to understand what you really believe in. And it's a difficult process. And what makes it even harder uh, are some of the things that people say about you along the way. Yeah, yeah. It makes it really fun whenever you're trying to explain to family members mm-hmm. over the holidays that you swear you're not a heathen and you still love God. Yeah. Just because I'm deconstructing does not mean <laughs> I hate everybody like, associated with the church. Right. I swear I'm not going to hell, Dad. Relax. Right. I'm just rethinking atonement theories. Right. You don't even know what those are. Okay, anyway. Point is, it, it makes it a lot harder. And not my actual dad, by the way. I yeah. was just a, a, a general metaphorical dad. <laughs> that felt like a real Freudian slip. Like, no, do we need to talk about something? No, no, we're good. My point is, <laughs> save it for behind the scenes. My point is, uh, it's not easy to go through deconstruction, and unfortunately, sometimes it's made even harder by the things that people say about you, right? While you're going through that, so we're going to tackle some of those famous myths, the things that people claim about the deconstruction process, yeah. about you as you're going through this process. And we're going to tackle this head on. Right. I'm excited to get into it. Yeah, me too. And if topics like this interest you and you want to talk about your story more or you want to share your story with people or if you don't really have a community to turn to while you're in your deconstruction phase, check out our Patreon. Yes. It's $3 a month and we have an awesome Discord community that's growing. We're sharing stories in there constantly, prayer requests, mm-hmm. just everything you can think of. We are building an incredible community that I'm extremely proud to say that I had a part and yeah. you know creating yeah um also if you are new here be sure to click subscribe and ring the bell so you get notified every time we upload to the channel and uh joey yeah if you if you ring that bell you'll get notifications like last week when we posted our interview with brian zond the brian zond it's just the fact that, let's just pause for a moment, for a moment sorry let's <laughs> let's just pause for a moment brandon and appreciate the fact that you just got done explaining how our show is slowly fostering a little community of people that come together. Yeah. And then I just got done saying that Brian's on was on. Like, yeah. what reality are we living in right strange. now? This is like, strange. This is crazy. It's... We started with, with little $50 USB mics yeah. just talking about, like, I don't know, hell. and hell. Yeah. And now I just can't believe what it's turning into. It's it, it's wild. It, like yeah. to say it's a dream come true is an understatement. Yeah. And like I know we're still small in the grand oh, scheme yeah, of things. Oh yeah, we are. We're but, very like, small. Yeah. Dude, but, I, I was actually talking to Michael about that the other day. I was like, we have people who support us. Mm-hmm. We like you know we had Pastor Brian Zond on yeah. last week, and like we just went back and re listened to it, and I was like, I just genuinely enjoyed talking to the man. Yeah, yeah. It was so much fun, and it, it, like it, it's wild. I don't know how we got here. Yeah. And it, it's fun to think about, um, you know, the future and what might come. But right now we're obviously still a small channel. That's okay. But the point is you want to stay with us because I really think that there's some good things ahead. I agree. And I'm I not agree. just saying that to, like, pump our, us up or anything. Right. But but honestly, for this community, I think yeah. that there's a lot of, of great things ahead for, for all of us. So um, so ring the bell. And uh, if you haven't already, go back and watch that Zond interview. Yes. Speaking um, of the Zond interview... He actually opened, well, we didn't open the interview, but we opened part of a segment with a uh, the opening paragraph of his new book, Yes, When Everything is on Fire. So excited to read it. So with today's topic, we're going to be talking about deconstruction. Mm-hmm. Um, that book launches in November. Is yeah, that correct? November. So November, pre-orders are available now. Go to his website, pre-order When Everything is on Fire. And also, if you're looking for something that you can order now and get on Amazon, look up Searching for Sunday by Rachel Held Evans. Those are yeah. two incredible books mm-hmm. that will help navigate this part of your life where you're deconstructing and reconstructing your faith in Jesus. Yeah, I wish I brought that book with me, Searching for Sunday, because I'm reading it right now, actually. And it's so good. Yeah. Uh, I could model it for everyone, you know, like a jewelry TV kind of thing. Yeah, oh yeah. But uh, unfortunately, I don't. But no, it's a fantastic book. So we'll, we'll put the link for both of those books section Amazon. You can pre-order his, uh, Bassans and get Rachel's. Yep. Um, it'll help you tremendously. And we're not sponsored. We just really think that those would be great resources oh, for you guys yeah, in this yeah, journey. Totally. Um, but anyways, Joey, before we get into the main topic of deconstruction, um, yeah. I saw a video this week. Yes. Um, <laughs> I found out it's a little bit of an older video. I think it's from last year. Okay. Um, 
but uh, it's it's interesting. Mm. So our boy, um, Kenneth Copeland, yes, he uh, bless his soul. He was taking communion with one of his staff people, members, associate pastors, whatever they're yeah. called over there. Yeah, and armor uh, bearers, perhaps. Yeah, he seems like the type who would call them armor bearers. One hundred percent. Like he's he's and like, the guy seems like the type to be called an armor bearer. Yeah, like you kind of just get that vibe. Like yeah, you're you're the backup crew. You're the armor bearer. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> and so, anyways, they were doing so. They did like the whole salt thing, where it's like you pour your salt in the bag, I'm gonna pour my salt in the bag, and we'll shake it up. And oh, whose salt is whose? That's covenant. Yeah, sure, sure. <laughs> and then we move on to the covenant. Mm. And uh, my boy Kenneth, he he took a a knife. I don't yeah. think it was a real knife. If anything, it was a butter knife. And he closed it over his hand, and he's, he's I mean, he's hard selling yeah. it, Joe. He's, yeah, I'm sorry for the awkward noises. Like no, trigger no, no. warning for strange noises. <laughs> just, just. Well, the the thing about <clears throat> Kenneth there is that he, he sells it. I mean, he's he, it's it comes naturally to him to sell that look. He's prime TV, dude. He he, uh, I, and I'm not trying to be too mean, but like that look he does of that that grimace of cutting his yeah. Skin, that's kind of just default him. Yeah, Have you seen him in interviews? No, he it's true. Is like looks like he just ate a, a, a child or something. And so he's doing the thing. Just uh huh. <laughs> And then just holds it over his communion cup. Yeah. He goes, now my blood <laughs> is in the cup. Yeah. And then it, then, his, then his homeboy does, does the thing. It doesn't sell it nearly as well as Kenneth. And that's, that's what threw the red flag for me. I was like, I was yeah. like Kenneth Copeland may have just actually put his blood in there. And then, then his buddy did. I was like, oh, this is fake. The armor so, bears are never as good so as the real thing. Puts, you know, puts his blood in the cup. And then they mix yeah. the two cups together. And then Kenneth takes it and like does that like weird two hand, like two hand The hold. chalice hold. Yeah. yeah like. Like yeah. the, the the this move uh-huh. where it's like it's totally unnecessary to hold it like this with two it's hands. It's more spiritual that way, Brandon. Yeah, and so he's like, <laughs> he goes, he goes. Now my blood is in the wine, and <laughs> your blood is in the wine. Oh God! And we mix it together <laughs> as one, and I'm gonna drink it. Oh God! Please don't. Yeah, and then and then that's. That is why people deconstruct. And uh, <laughs> and Joey, I didn't feel comfortable during that. I don't feel comfortable at all. And, and with, here's with why, Kenneth. too, is Kenneth Copeland would probably very much be the Harry Potter is the devil kind of guy. Oh, yeah. He, absolutely. But can we talk about how, like, you know, mixing blood into wine mm-hmm. and drinking, and your, drinking own your own blood and the blood of others in wine? Yeah. In that context. Oh, it's very witchy. It's very witchy. Yeah, yeah. And yet, he, and yet he absolutely would have been against anything. Like Yeah, and this is also strange to me because I don't know Kenneth Copeland's theology, but I don't think that he would agree with the Catholic view of transubstantiation. Yeah, I don't, I don't think so either. Where the wine becomes the literal blood of Jesus you, during communion, but he put his literal blood into the wine, saying like his blood was mixed with Jesus' blood. So it's it's it's, it's just strange. It's just it's just odd, and there's no explanation to it. If you're looking for an explanation with televangelist theology, you're gonna be disappointed. It's kind of like trying to find the true meaning of like the lyrics of kids music on yeah like cocomelon on youtube like baby shark yeah it's like you're not gonna find anything deep in baby shark and you're not gonna find anything truly substantive in in televangelist theology yeah their theology is send me your money for your healing <laughs> for yeah for anything just send me your money oh man kenneth copeland even before he was drinking his own blood i have um I, he was a major uh figure in yeah in my own spiritual development as a kid because uh my family was really into him sure um and so i i knew i recognized his voice i saw his tv show on basically like my dad would always have it on tv while we were getting ready for school because it was always on that early in the morning right and so i'm very familiar with him and like he his whole big thing was name it claim it yeah um i don't know if he's necessarily the first person to to do that. Or I highly I, doubt I, it. I don't, I don't know, but that was his big thing. Was, right. And that God wants you to be rich. That sure. God wants you to be blessed. He wants you to be rich. And so you just name it and you claim it and it will be yours. Right. And, and I guess, you know, the prosperity gospel is definitely that something that we should get into in a later episode. Oh, for sure. Because do I believe that God wants us to live in poverty? No. Yeah. But do I believe in, you know, the way that the prosperity gospel has been bastardized by Oof. that movement? 
absolutely not. God is not a genie. Yeah. Like, yeah. And, and, and God isn't a lottery machine where you insert your money, pull the thing and hope that, you know, you hit big. Yeah, exactly. And the name and claim it thing, man, like when you, it's one thing to apply it to money, but it's another thing entirely. I think when you try to apply it to salvation, sure. Absolutely. Praying for like your friend or whoever to get right, saved. Right. Or when you apply it to say healing. Right. And because all you're doing is setting people up to wonder, what am I doing? Why wrong? it didn't happen? Why is why oh, yeah. is it not happening? Oh yeah, it's it's the same problem that I have with faith, the faith healing movement in general. Yeah, is people always pull out these anecdotal stories, sure. of so and so who got healed miraculously. And don't get me wrong, I do still believe in one hundred percent. I do, I do. But for every story of so and so getting healed, you have a thousand untold stories of people who are wondering why didn't I get healed? Right. And where's my healing? What am I doing wrong? Why, why is it not working for me? Right. And a big, and a big push in the deconstruction movement too is because of things like, you know, healing evangelists Yeah. and you know, they show up and have a tent revival a mile down the road from the hospital. And then atheists will say, well, you know, if you can heal everybody, why don't you go to the hospital? Exactly. And so I, I think that, Issues like that and the way that we talk about them really sets people up to deconstruct. For sure. And, you know, I think that's a great segue into today's topic of deconstruction. Yes. Of yes. what, you know, the myths of deconstruction. Yes. You know, all the things that people tell you that you feel when you're deconstructing mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that may or may not be true either for a time or period. Mm-hmm. You know, like, yeah, there, I mean, I'm sure there are some of these where the myth is true for a period of time while you're deconstructing. Perhaps some of them. But that while. doesn't mean that that's where you live now. Exactly. It, it doesn't define you. Um, and it's it's these are all things that are just generalizations. Right. The thing that bothers me, and we'll get into those. You might be wondering what we're talking about. We'll, we'll get into those in just a second. But the thing that really bothers me as we're working through this, and in a very small way, I'm not trying to overstate it or anything, but in a very small way, you and I are beginning to speak into this deconstruction movement a little yeah, bit. Yeah, sure. And so in that, when I get on Facebook and I see people policing other people's deconstruction, it, it starts to really bother me. Oh, same. Because we're trying to create a community where people are free to doubt and right. where they're free to be honest with their questions. Right. And where they're free to go deeper and find what they're looking for and find deeper faith without feeling judged or like bad Christians. Right. So then when I turn around and get on Facebook and see people denigrating Christians like that, yeah, who are in that mode and and policing their walk, it just it makes me feel like almost a, a, a parental sort of rage towards to yeah, one hundred percent. You know, I, I, I it just bothers me to no end. And I honestly see that on both sides of the coin, though. And I think that's what bothers me the most about it is you have the fundamentalist, you know, Christians or the evangelical Christians or whatever you know, whatever label, conservative Christian, whatever label right. you want to put on yourself, right. Um, where you view the deconstruction of Christianity as a dangerous thing. Yeah. And they're policing them and, oh, you just want to sin, blah, blah, blah. But then also what I think what frustrates me more is whenever people who have deconstructed mm-hmm. are talking to Christians who are deconstructing, where it's like, okay, maybe you still take the Bible literally because that's yeah. where you are in your walk right now. Yeah. And then those people are denigrating them. Oh my god, I can't believe you still believe the Bible is literal. Yeah, that's, oh my that's god, super toxic. It's yeah. like no, that's that not is okay. not how we need to be handling I mean, this. It's like you don't you don't need other people. And this is what I want to say to both sides: your theology and your current relationship with God and your views on what the Bible is. And, you know, th- that's great for you, but you right. don't need to go around and expect everyone to fit your exact mold. Right. You're not supposed to be making clones of yourself. Exactly. So stop telling other people that they have to believe and think just like you. Yes. For, for us who are deconstructing out of fundamentalism, you have to realize that that is very fundamentalist mentality. Exactly. So if you're going around to evangelicals who haven't deconstructed and trying to make them think like you do and getting mad at them for thinking the way they do. Right. You're actually being very fundamentalist. Now, the only caveat to that is when we're dealing with actual really truly abusive beliefs. Yes, 100%. That's different. If you're telling someone like, no, that's that's straight up racist belief, right? That, right. That, you know, that's different. You call out racism whatever way you find necessary. Yes, yes, that's different. But if it's something like, I don't know, belief in the rapture. Right. 
you know, you don't have to be a bully saying like, how that's so dumb that you believe in that. You know, I don't believe in it and we can laugh at it. We can joke about it. Right. But I'm not going to go to someone who really, truly does and like make them feel like, sure. Bad, Cause it's like know? whenever you did believe in the rapture, yeah. if someone came up to you and was just trashing you for believing in the rapture, mm-hmm. would that have changed your mind about it? No, exactly. Well, I'm getting raptured. Yeah. So <laughs> Sucks your, for you. Idiot. <laughs> Exactly. So anyway, the point is, um, I, I can't stand that policing of the deconstruction community. People saying, you know, well, if you're going to deconstruct, just make sure you're doing it this way or that way. And it's right. like, oh, so just do it your way. Is right. What you're trying to tell everyone. That's great. Uh, so, Which is, I think, something that me and you have tried very uh, much to toe that line of, yeah. you know, talking about the topics. And I know this frustrates some people to no end because I've talked to some people about it and it yeah. frustrates them where we don't tell people what to believe now. Yeah. yeah. And like, that's kind of the point. Yeah. Is like, we want to present other sides of conversations. We want to for present sure. that you aren't crazy for thinking like this. Yeah. But we're, I don't think me and you are ever going to force beliefs onto our viewership because I just right. don't think that's right. Th- that's not where we're, you and I are at right now. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's like, take the, take the issue of hell. And I know that we're not talking about hell in this right. episode. But, you know, there's generally a few different ways to view what hell might be. Some sure. say eternal conscious torment, where you're eternally conscious and you're tormented. Yep. Some say annihilation, where you go to hell and you cease to exist. You're annihilated. You're gone. Yep. Okay. And then some say it's about um, reconciliation, where you go and, like, the sin and the impurities are burnt away, but the soul can remain and eventually be with Jesus. Right. Um, those are very generalizing, but those are three basic views. Sure. We can present those views to you and say, "Here's here they are, and you know, here's the arguments for them. Believe right. what you want to believe. This is what I believe in. Why? Yeah. Do what you will. But with I'm it. not going to tell you you have to believe in ours or you have to believe in this one. Right. You know, we'll just say here's here's where we're at. Right. Um, but anyway, so no, that's a little off topic, but I think it's just kind of an important thing to address to the people because yeah. it is a very important phase in deconstruction is not policing other people's deconstruction. Yes, for sure. Um, I, I think that a lot of the times when I see um, evangelicals or charismatics, people who aren't considering themselves deconstructed, when I see them policing the deconstruction movement, a lot of times it feels like it's out of a place of fear and self-preservation. Yeah. Where if I were to say something on TikTok or on our podcast, where maybe I'm talking about something that that another Christian really holds dear, mm-hmm. really believes in. And I, I explain why I don't believe in it. They take that very, very personally. personally yeah. They get defensive and they think, you know, one, one thing that I saw blowback on was when we were talking about church abuse. Yep. And some people who are still church members take that very personally. Well, you're saying that what I do can be abusive? And first of all, no. We were talking specifically about Mark Driscoll. Right. And like really extreme cases. But... I think that we need to ask ourselves, why is it that when someone's talking about changing a belief, we get defensive? Sure. Why should someone changing their mind or seeing things differently be taken as a personal attack? I think is it's it because, because we find so much of our identity in what we believe, especially yeah. as Christians, Yeah, is we wrap everything up in our beliefs. For so, sure. and And also, we hold on to them very, very closely and very tightly. And so if we say that we're changing this, not only are we having to change a part of our identity, yeah. we're also having to admit I bought into something that was wrong. For sure. For and so sure. that's that's kind of embarrassing if we're being honest. Yeah. And I think, you know, a big part of that fear of change is that embarrassment of was I really that wrong for so long? Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's it. And then I, I also think that for some people, um, if you talk about structures and churches that are damaging, some people benefit from those sure. damaging structures. Some people have made careers off of the things that we are deconstructing. Right. And so they take it as a something that's going against their way of life, essentially. Right. And I know this is off topic, but it's, it's the same reason why some people get so triggered about the idea of white privilege. Mm-hmm. Where it's like, I'm not saying Mm -hmm. that you, as a white person, had a million dollars handed to you when you were born and that you didn't work for anything. What I'm saying is is that you benefited from structures that were racist. Mm -hmm. Without even maybe Without even knowing about it. Yeah. Your race was never a detriment. Correct. There's even something to be said about Christian privilege in America. In America, not in every country. Right. But in America, for sure, there's something to be said about Christian privilege where, you know, we like to talk as if we're being, you know, persecuted. But in reality, there's nothing in the American life that isn't 
benefited in some way by the fact that you're a Christian. Right. Or at least not negatively affected. Like, I know people that don't go to church consistently, mm-hmm. that call themselves Christians, that are going, that are planning on filling out religious exemptions for mask mandates. <laughs> yeah. Where it's like, you... You don't walk with Jesus. Yeah, yeah. Like, (laughs) no offense, like, I'm not judging people's hearts, but it's like, you know, if, if we have a, a view, if we have an idea, if you close your eyes and you picture what is a typical American evangelical Christian, Mm -hmm. right? This person would not fit that mold. Right. But they know that there's certain privilege by identifying as mm-hmm. a Christian. For sure. Anyway, uh, why don't we jump into some of these myths that we've yeah, heard said sure. about you, said about me, said about all of our friends, yep. and the whole movement altogether. And all of our patrons on Discord. Yeah, some of the things that people say about us. You know, um, for instance, uh, one of my favorites, one of my absolute favorites, is they just don't like the Bible. Those deconstructing Christians those ex-evangelicals, they just have issues with the Bible. They just don't want to believe the Bible for what it says. Yep, uh, you're right. That's not a myth. That's that's 100%. <laughs> you know, I, I uh, we were watching a podcast recently, um, and I'll keep it vague because I don't want to okay, yep. know. But we were watching a podcast recently where they were talking about the, the, the do's and don'ts of deconstruction. Okay, yep. And uh, one of the things that one of the guys on that podcast said was that you just have to believe the Bible. Sure. In a very uh, matter-of-fact, you know, with a smile. Yeah. It's so simple. Just believe the Bible, and all of these questions and all of these doubts and all these issues that you're deconstructing will go away. Just believe the Bible. Right. What What bothers me about that uh, platitude is that um, we are not refusing the Bible. We're not denying the Bible. No. We're not going against the Bible. No. When we are deconst- when we deconstruct dangerous belief systems, uh, toxic theology, or even church structures that have hurt people, like for instance, if we're deconstructing things like how the church has handled gender and and how it's affected women, you know, we're not going against the Bible. We are looking at structures that man has created in our religion and how they have misused the Bible yep. to prop up bad beliefs. Right. So by going against those bad beliefs that are standing on a misunderstanding of Scripture, we are actually defending the Bible. Right. If, the, if a Bible verse was misused and twisted and marred into something that could prop up misogyny, and now we're going against that misogyny. It's because we want that Bible verse to be free from that misuse on it. Correct. So yeah, that it yeah. can be understood right. in the context that it's meant to be understood in. Um, so, you know, I was saying in another episode, and somebody got upset with me. We were actually both of us saying this, so it's oh, on, nice. you, it's on cool. you too. <laughs> but they were upset that we were saying that the verses about um, where Paul says, men love your wives and wives submit. Yep. Mm-hmm. We were arguing that that's actually the same thing stated twice. Sure. And that it's an equal role. They were saying, no, no, it, it's definitely meant to be you know, a hierarchy, and right. that's what the Bible is, and you just don't like how the Bible says that. No. And I said, no, your understanding of that is wrong, and I'm actually defending the Bible by saying you're accusing the Bible right. of being something it's not. Yep. So, no, it's a myth that we that deconstructed Christians just don't like the Bible. Yeah. That's not true. We love the Bible and want it to be understood free from our harmful and negative structures that we put on top. Yes, I would say personally... The Bible, since my deconstruction has started, has become one of the most beautiful pieces of literature that I read. Yeah. Daily. Yeah. And like it genuinely has moved from this book that was just, I mean, honestly, to me, it was was just a book. Like I knew it was alive and breathing and it was, you know, words about God to us, Mm -hmm. you know. And I knew I needed to read it that way, but yeah. there was just so much in it where I'm like, this does not line up with Jesus. Yeah. And so I found myself just reading about Jesus for a long time. I just read the gospels. I read certain epistles. Mm-hmm. Like I was not reading a majority of the Bible because I was like, I need to make sure that I'm centering myself in Jesus before I, you know, venture off back into the other right. parts of the Bible. Right, right, right. And after doing that, I would look at things like Leviticus Mm -hmm. and stop looking at it as, you know, this weird set of rules that, you know, 
God put on the Jewish people in Leviticus yeah. and found it as this beautiful archetype of Jesus. Yeah. And that that's what I'm saying is people who deconstruct don't hate the Bible. Right. We want to love the Bible. Yes, exactly. I love how you said that. We want to love it. Yeah. It's a desire to... to okay, so let me explain it this way. I think some people use the word deconstructed to mean that they left the faith. Right. And I'm not here to get on anyone's case for using it that way. It's just not how we use it. Sure. We use it to explain we're getting away from bad things and trying to still remain in faith. Right. Some people use it differently. That's fine. But I think that some people, when they read the violence of the Old Testament, for instance, and they're horrified by that, as yeah. you should be when right. you read the violence of the Old Testament, it should horrify you. They want to get away from that. Maybe they're mad about that, and they think, oh my goodness, what kind of religion has this in their sacred text? Yeah. And so they want to get away from it. But us deconstructed Christians, we want to love the Bible. And so when we see the violence of the Old Testament, we want to f- learn and find a way to make that makes sense so right. that we can love it. Right. It's almost like we, we want a relationship with the Bible where we can get past those truly damaging things. And so what we do is not that we rip those pages out. It's not that we pretend that those pages aren't there. It's that we un- try to learn the culture and learn the, the context so that right. we understand better how to interpret that. And why the re- why the writers would have viewed God this way. Exactly. Because if we can understand why the writers would view God that way, we can understand why we would view God that way. Right, right. And so what, what we do with, for instance, those verses of violence is we have to get into the mindset of the people who wrote it and of that culture and of that, um, that time of what they thought of God instead of just pulling it and putting it in our world and then getting mad at it for being violent. Right. You know, I think that the anger that we feel and the, the horrified reaction that we have towards some of the more violent passages is a good thing. Yeah. That shows the humanity in you. You know, it shows that we're like Abraham begging God to not destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. And you should be like Abraham in that story. Right. Um, So that's good that that's in you. And, and if that's being labeled as they just hate the Bible, then you don't understand. First of all, that desire in us to, you know, or that feeling in us of horrified reaction towards violence of the Old Testament, that's from God. Right. The the picture of Abraham, and and to me, like, this is something that I was thinking about the other day, the picture of Abraham standing outside of Sodom and Gomorrah pleading that God not destroy the city if there's so much righteousness in it, right? Yeah, yeah. To me, is a beautiful picture, too, of Jesus whenever the woman is thrown to him that was caught in the act of adultery, Mm -hmm. where... Abraham is pleading on the behalf of Sodom and Gomorrah and Jesus is getting down in the dirt with the woman yeah. and is just moved by compassion, mm-hmm. even though it's proven that she was found in sin. Yeah. Abraham knew that there was sin in Sodom and Gomorrah, yeah. but he was moved with passion towards, you know, that bit of righteousness that was still there. Mm-hmm. Jesus was moved towards compassion, even though the, he knew that there was sin, Jesus was moved towards compassion to the person yes. that was the woman. Yes. You know, and so you find Jesus in those stories mm-hmm. whenever you're looking for him. It, and that's what we want out of the Bible. That's what yeah. we want out of the Old Testament. That's what we want out of the epistles. We're looking for Jesus mm-hmm. in the Old Testament. Yeah. We're reading about Jesus in the Gospels, mm-hmm. and we're learning how to be like Jesus in the epistles. Exactly. And, and speaking for myself, it's not that we don't like the Bible. It's right. that we don't like misunderstanding and reading it literally when it's not meant to be. Right. We we need to understand that the, the phrase, Word of God, is a title for Jesus. Correct. It's not actually meant to be a title for a collection of 66 books. Right. It's a title for Jesus. So the title was used before the Bible was even thought about. Exactly. Exactly. And so we love Jesus, the word of God, and we hate the misunderstanding of the Bible. And, and that, that's all I got to say. Yeah. And sorry, we, one more. Sorry. Oh, I, have yeah, one more, I have one more thing about the Bible. Too, okay. Okay. Is something that frustrates me too about, you know, especially the American evangelical church that, that very much has loved separating itself away from the you know, Eastern Orthodoxy in the Catholic faith and personalizing the Bible. Yeah. Um, we can't forget that understanding church history is integral to understanding the Bible. Yeah. that's Because true. the church wrote the Bible. Mm-hmm. You know, I know they didn't write the, you know, each book specifically, mm-hmm. but the church was established before the canon of the Bible was established. Yes. So the church, the Bible was built on the church, not the other way around. Yeah, that's true. And so for you to actually understand the Bible, it's hard to look at it as a, this was written for me personally, Mm -hmm. because 
it wasn't. Yeah, it, it wasn't. And, and and also, I it's not that we are disliking the Bible. It's that we don't like the over, I guess, deification right. and worship of the Bible. Right. Biblicism is what it's called. Mm-hmm. Of when you basically take the Bible and prop it up as being part of the Trinity. Right. Again, the Bible is not the fourth part of the Trinity. Exactly. So it, it, by, by saying that we don't worship the Bible, but we understand it as a tool to lead us to Jesus. We worship with the Bible. Yeah, exactly. And, and if that gets misinterpreted in some myth saying that we just don't like the Bible, then you're not listening to us. Right. Um, the next one for me would be um, they're just conforming with the world or they just want an excuse to sin. <laughs> yep. Yeah. We're conforming with the world. I love that. <laughs> um, no, again. Yeah. <laughs> you know what's funny to me about that is that, first of all, first of all, it's very demeaning, of course. Yeah. To say that people who are rethinking their faith are searching for excuses to sin. Right. Obviously, and maybe you can take that one more so if you wanted to, but the funny thing to me about the whole conforming to the world thing is that while the Bible does say, do not be of this world, you know, right. do not be formed of this world, we are still supposed to be in the world. It Correct. says be in the world, but not of it. Right. We are still very much a part of this world. And what's frustrating to me is when Christians try to make the church out to be an alternate of everything the world does. Oh, we don't do trick-or-treating, we have trunk-or-treat. You right. Know? Oh, we, we don't do that celebration, we have this instead. Our whole goal is to like replace the things of the world with a holy version. Right. But we're supposed to instead be invading, not in a militaristic or violent way, but we're supposed to be encountering this world and, and, and trying to impact it, not offer some alternative to every little thing. Right. We're very much supposed to be in the world. Yeah, 100%. And by simply um, rethinking our beliefs, that's not us changing by the world. Yeah. If anything, we're being we're trying to be transformed by God. Right. The, the things that we are deconstructing are things that we believe are actually products of the world. Yeah. On yeah. Christianity. And in the scope of Christian history, things like Christian fundamentalism, that is a creation of man. It's a creation of man in response right. specifically to the world. Fundamentalism was created as a response to uh, the more um, enlightenment style of thinking and, and, and liberalism and things like that. So it was very much a response to the world. Yeah. So that theology is actually conformed by the world. Right. And by us trying to return to a more pure theology, it is actually in stark contrast with the the world. And here's something I find completely ironic. I mean, it it could not be more ironic, Mm -hmm. this viewpoint, because I feel like a lot of um, Christian fundamentalists are very militaristic. Yes. And, uh, you know, very much oorah. And now, again, don't get me wrong. I think we need to figure out, I I think people need to understand they can separate their politics Mm -hmm. from their theology. You know, there's there's a certain degree of that. You know, like I was recently watching a documentary about 9-11, right? Okay. And I told my wife, I was like, and this is why you don't mess with America. America will handle business. (laughs) And I have no issue saying that as an American. Yeah. I don't say that as a Christian though. Yeah. Like that because I understand that's not how the kingdom of God is advanced. Yes. Like yes, I agree, you know, America should protect our, you know, should protect our country. Mm-hmm. We should protect our country. I don't disagree with that. If yeah. someone is coming in to bomb our country, mm-hmm. we need to yeah. Do things to avoid that from happening. Well, only only very extreme pacifists would argue that we literally shouldn't have a military. Correct. Like, like yeah, we should make sure that we're not being bombed. Correct. But there was recently, like, a clip of uh, President Joe Biden using the verse in Isaiah, you know, here I am, Lord, send me, talking oh, about God. the American military. So no. gross. Incorrect. Yeah. John 1836 mm-hmm. is a perfect viewpoint of how we have missed the idea of being in the world but not of it mm-hmm. and then also very much being of the world. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because we love our militaristic might. Yes. Where Jesus says, "My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I may not be delivered over to the Jews. Mm-hmm. But my kingdom is not from this world." Mm-hmm. Jesus is specifying mm-hmm. my kingdom does not use violence. Which is exactly my response to people who are consumed with this idea that America is a Christian nation. Right. If America were a truly Christian nation, we would not be in wars all across the world. Right. We would not be in other nations that you can't even find on a map, you know, attacking, you know, people of a different skin color than you. Right. 
you know, Which, and I know this isn't the part that we're talking about, but you know, even with like Revelation, where they talk about Jesus coming back with a sword to kill his enemies, mm-hmm. Jesus literally says, literally says, "My kingdom is not advanced that way." Yeah, if yeah. I wanted it to, I would have let my servants kill everybody in the garden. Right. So the people, the Christians who are truly being conformed by the world, are the military. Military. The the Christians who are truly being conformed by the world are the military worshiping war loving you know christian nationalists right they're the ones who are being formed by the powers of this world because this world very much you know is still unfortunately outside of jesus outside of the kingdom of heaven it's still a world where power is through death and yes, through violence 100 and so for a christian to like worship the american military might and this whole um, american exceptionalism and you know being pro-bombing every country right. in the Middle East, that is very much conforming to the world. That is what it looks like to me to have a Christian formed by this world. Yeah. You are you are claiming to be a Christian, but you are perfectly formed by a militaristic, violence-loving, power-through-death mindset. Right. While a true Christian formed by God, formed by the, the Word of God, is one who will say, no, we lay down our lives for others, and we, we refuse violence. Yeah. You know? um, so... To say that we're formed by the world is just ridiculous. It's just a little silly. It absolutely is. What's the next one, Joey? Okay, uh, the next one. How about we go with this one? They're just bitter or offended. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, people love to use the word offended in interesting ways in church. Sure. And it, it's gotten on my last nerve. Um, so people talk about how deconstructed Christians are just angry at the church. They're just offended. They're just bitter. And so now they're just you know, leaving or they're angry on Twitter. Right. Um, first of all, whenever we talk about a Christian who got offended, I think the conversation should generally focus more on the offense, not on the offended person. So when we, when someone gets offended at church and gets mad and our immediate go-to is to get mad at that person for being mad, we're missing the point. Why don't we stop and think, well, what happened that offended them? Sure. And why don't we address the offensive issue? Sure. Instead of just getting mad at people for having like a moral conscience and getting upset. Right. I think that whenever you say you're offended, Yes, there is a certain part of you are choosing to remain offended. You're choosing to remain in offense. You know, Jesus yeah. says to forgive your enemies, forgive those 70 times 7, all of that stuff. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But whenever we are, you know, railing against people who have been hurt mm-hmm. by things outside of their control, yeah, that is what I take issue with. Oh, absolutely. Because I know people who have left churches literally at almost no fault to the church. Okay, so, so you know... Church is doing something. They throw out an idea. I say we should do this. And they're like, we just don't think that's the direction we want to move in. And they're like, oh, well, fine. And they just leave and they're offended. Yeah. And yeah. like, if you leave under that kind of offense, that is on you. Dude, I, I've seen people leaving a church over a disagreement over fall fest decorations. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not even making that up. That happened at one of my churches. That I used yeah. To it's like, okay. Yeah. That's on you. Yeah. Like, you chose to be offended. But what's uh, insulting is when you take those kind of ridiculous anecdotes and then say... That's and apply what it to hurt. Correct. Yeah. Yes, 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 yes. So, uh, we agree. Yeah, 100%. Uh, uh, being offended over silly stuff, that, that's that's dumb. But, but to take those stories and... and and just broad brushstroke, everybody who's deconstructing yeah. just didn't get to pick the fall fest decorations. <laughs> exactly. That That's obviously extremely belittling. Right. And I also think it is, and I know this is a dramatic way to put it, but it's the only way I can think of right now. It's actually very anti-Christ. Sure. If someone is hurting, the church is called to sit with them, right, and and be with them. You know, lay hands on the sick. That that to me is more so in my mind a, a view of, you know, comforting and right. putting your arms yeah, sure. around someone who is who is struggling. You know, it's sitting with someone who's going through pain and and then saying, you know, whatever is causing this, if it's a church structure, then we need to reanalyze that because you're important. Right. It's centralizing the victim. Right. You are more important to us than a structure. And if that structure hurt you, then we we need to reconsider that. Yeah. But instead of doing that, which I think is Christ like, we just say, oh well you're just offended. Just get out then. Yeah. And, right. And I think just that toss them to the side. Exactly, and I think that that decentralizing of, of the victims is is a major problem. Yeah. People aren't deconstructing just simply because they got mad one day and decided, I'm going to be an atheist. Right. 
They're deconstructing because they're noticing patterns and structures and beliefs that are hurting people. Right. Maybe not even just themselves, maybe others as well. Sure. And when the church refuses to talk about those things and instead wants to protect those things more than they want to protect victims, of course that's going to lead to people leaving. Right. And I'm not even saying, you know, if someone is hurt by something that you need to do a complete overhaul of everything going on. But honestly, even just acknowledging, oh, I'm so sorry that the way that we did this hurt you mm-hmm. is a very Christian-like response to hurt. It totally is. Where it's like, you know, hey, you know, that may be the way that we do things here. We can reevaluate how we do it. We're so sorry that we hurt you. Yeah. How, you know, how can we make it better? We'll see if we can find a compromise. Yeah. Compromise isn't a bad thing. It's not. And, and for the more broad uh, issues or structures, like I know one issue that a lot of people deconstruct on is how the church handles um, uh, when someone is is mourning something. Sure, because a lot of times the church will present, okay, you can you can cry for a, a little while, here, right? But then you really gotta just walk in joy. Yep. You gotta be a, a happy person to present this image of what Christ is doing in our church. So mm-hmm. time to put on the smile. Yep. And here's a few verses. Here's a few preacher cliches. Get over it. Right. And people are realizing that the way that the church handles those things is is very harmful, and so it leads them to question. And when they aren't getting the help that they really need, they deconstruct. Sure. And so when you say, oh, well, they're just bitter, I think you need to stop and say, well, if they're bitter, then let's help them, not blame right. them. If they're bitter, then let's let's add some some love and some compassion to help them not, you know, not have to be feeling that way right. rather than just cast them out. I would say that the, uh, you know, the crowd that, you know, was crying out, crucify Jesus, mm-hmm was pretty bitter Yeah. whenever Jesus then proceeded to say, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Yeah, not Father. They just don't, they're just Father, bad, so forget get them, them out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They're offended, they're bitter, yeah. get them out. So people are not just deconstructing because they got mad one day. They're deconstructing because we need to treat people better when they're hurt. Right. Um, um, this one isn't on the list, but it's something that I've seen a lot all right. and it annoys the Pisces out of me. Okay. Um, People are just deconstructing because it's easier or because it's the cool thing to do. Oh, I hate that. I'm surprised I didn't put that on the list. <laughs> I hate that so much. Let me tell you something. Deconstructing yeah. is probably one of the hardest things that I've ever done. Yes. And, and continue to do. And continue to do. Yeah. Because I'm taking, you know, I know I wasn't raised in church, but I really grabbed a hold of it for a long time. And I'm taking views that I clung to. Yeah. And found, you know, a lot of solace in it. I found a lot of... Uh, a lot of strength in. Yeah, even identity. Identity in. Yeah. In starting to let them go. Yes. And that is a very scary thing to do. It is. It takes courage. Because as someone who, you know, I'm a husband, you know, and my wife, she's perfectly independent, but she looks to me for answers about the Bible. You know, she'll, she'll call me up and say, what do you think this verse even means? Yeah. You know, and it's my job. I don't want to say it's my job, but it's my, you know, it's my privilege to be able to talk to my wife about what I think that verse means. And the last thing I want to do Mm -hmm. is to lead her astray and how to interpret something. Yeah. You know, we have a community, we, we have this podcast where we're talking to people about things and we're trying to make sure that we give people the most true version of Christianity that we know as much as we can. We're not theologians as much as we can. Yeah. And so to say that it's the easy thing to do, I mean, our discord Mm -hmm. would greatly disagree with that. Yes. There are people who have difficult relationships with their parents, with their siblings, with their spouse, because they have begun to be honest about their questions of the church. Right. And their questions of scripture and their their deconstructing of old beliefs. Not even that they're atheists now. Just they're they're beginning to have questions. Yeah. And that causes rifts in families, yes. in friendships, in church communities. So no one would just choose that because it's cool. Right. No one would sacrifice a, a relationship with their family just because it's the cool thing to do to be edgy and get right. online and be mad about this and that pastor or whatever. That's not what this is about. Right. Which kind of leads me into the, the next myth, and I know I'm skipping you, but I feel like they, they <laughs> kind of okay. no, piggyback. No, it's fine. But the idea of they were never a real Christian to begin with, yes. or they're not being led by the Holy Spirit. Yes. Whenever we call into, Christ, whenever we call into question somebody's salvation because they now have questions about a religious structure. Yeah. We are stepping way out of line. Oh, absolutely. Way out of line. 
I actually see it as a form of gaslighting, really, to say they were never really Christians to begin with. What you're doing is you are uh, trying to change someone's reality that they know about themselves. Right. They know if someone if someone was a Christian and then you know left the faith or if someone just was a evangelical and now maybe is rethinking some things and is more of a uh, emerging church or like a I don't know Eastern Orthodox whatever it sure. might be just some sort of deconstruction journey and then to say you were never a Christian to begin with you don't know that person's story you right. don't know what that person went through you don't know what that person believed and it's so arrogant to think that you can step into someone else's life for a minute sure. and tell them what they believed in the past sure. or what they were like and it, it, all you're doing is is uh, taking their real experiences and telling them that what they know about their experiences is untrue. Right. And that is literally gaslighting. Right. And I think to me too, is like something that I see a lot where it's like, you know, if you've truly experienced the love of God, how could you ever walk away from it? Yeah. And, you know, I, I was having this conversation with someone and I was like, well, you know, a big part of it is their experience with people who claim to be Christians. Yeah. And they're like, well, you know, if they're basing their deconstruction off, of their experience with people and humans that claim to be Christians, then did they really have an experience with the love of God that they walked away from? Mm-hmm. And I think that is such weird cyclical reasoning Yeah, where it's like, okay, but we have to understand that Christians are supposed to be the representation of Jesus on the earth. Yes. You know, if we say that we are Christians, we are saying that we are filled with the Holy Spirit, regardless of what you think that looks like. If you think that means that you speak in tongues, if you think that speaking in tongues is of the devil, whatever you believe, if you believe that you are a Christian, you have to believe that the Holy Spirit is dwelling within you because Jesus says, I'm going to send you a friend who's closer than a brother, the Holy Spirit. Okay? Yeah. yeah. So I think all Christians would agree that they have the Spirit dwelling within them, right? <laughs> mm-hmm which means that we are ambassadors for Christ, which is what the Bible says, that we are ambassadors for Christ on the earth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And if people have bad experiences with the ambassadors and the representation of Christ on the earth, Mm -hmm. then we can't blame them for choosing to leave the church. Exactly. And then we can't say that they didn't have a real experience with God. Yeah. We cannot downplay someone's experience, a spiritual experience with God, Mm -hmm based off of their deconstruction around a actual physical experience with who is supposed to be an ambassador for Christ. You know, honestly, I think that what some charismatic and evangelical Christians need to embrace is this reality that they don't get to put God in a box. They don't get to control how God moves. You know, Jesus compares the Holy Spirit, he compares the kingdom of God, actually, to the wind. Right. And you cannot control the wind and tell it where to blow. Right. And so people can, as much as this is going to offend some evangelicals or charismatic types or Protestants, people can very much experience God even outside of church. Yes. Because, you know, he, he is constantly being experienced in unexpected ways. Right. You know, as you look through the Bible, you'll see that constantly. Yeah. And so I think that when we try to say things like, you're just not being led by the Holy Spirit or that you were never Christians to begin with, we're trying to say, if you're not experiencing God the way that we say, Right. you experience God, then we don't want you to think that that's actually God. Right. We don't want you to to be able to feel that because we want you to only get that here and in our boundaries. Yeah. And and, and I think it's funny too that, that you mentioned that, like, you know, how the kingdom of God blows like the wind. Yes, you know? yes. And you can't control it because even before I started going to church, I remember, you know, walking outside mm-hmm. and just thinking to myself, there has to be something bigger than me. Right. I didn't have the words for it at that point. I yeah. didn't know about Jesus. I didn't have, you know, the the Yahweh term to put to that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But the just creation. Mm-hmm. You know, the Bible says that creation will give testimony. Yeah. Of God. And that doesn't mean, you know, the creation of the church that means creation yeah like yeah. the trees will give testimony mm-hmm. to god and it's like i think we're, we're intimidated by that as christians oh, the totally. idea that people can experience god outside of what we would call you know an experience with god right and i don't mean for this to sound like you don't need to go to church or be a part of a church no you 100 percent need to go to church and be a part of a church right but the thing that i i love is that the fruits of the spirit 
that Paul lays out are how we know that God is there. So right. if God is like the wind and you can't see the wind, you can at least see the effects of the wind. You can see it pushing up on trees. Right, yeah. And for us, God is like the wind. You can't see him, but you can see the effects of him through the fruits of the Holy Spirit. Correct. So when you see love, goodness, kindness, compassion, self-control, you know, when you see these things, you are seeing the effects of God. Right. Because God is love and God is goodness. Right. So even if you see love and compassion and goodness and all those things, outside of the four walls of a church, even outside of a Christian circle of people, you are still seeing that wind blowing. Yeah. You are seeing the effects of God if you truly believe that God is love and goodness itself. Right. So you can experience that even outside of, of someone's exact model of what it's supposed to look like. Yeah. And so that's why I get so angry when people try to put exact parameters on how you have to deconstruct, how you have to have a relationship with God. And they say, well, you're just not doing it the right way, which is really just a way of saying you're not doing it my way. Right. Which I think would be a good last myth mm-hmm. to talk about is that yeah. people don't deconstruct the right way. Yes. And I know we kind of let the episode off with it, talking about policing deconstruction. Oh, full circle. So <laughs> we, we, I mean, it's beautiful. Yeah. It's almost like we planned it. <laughs> right. Um, but, but it's true. They, they, they want it to be done exactly their way. Cause right. they want that control. The church, when it's right, when it's done well, is, is about letting everyone in and it's about, uh, coming together at a table. You yeah. know? I still believe that the Eucharist is the most perfect picture of, yeah. of the church, is coming to a table, talking, having that communion, that fellowship, and finding God in that. Yes. It's about mourning together when you need to mourn. It's about laying hands on the sick and seeing them recover, not because you're some spiritual big shot who has magic in your fingers, right? but because in that you're love... You're so moved in compassion yes. and love that the Holy Spirit works through you. Right. In that laying the hands on the sick, that that's a sign of I'm with you. Right. And that we believe somehow mysteriously in that love will that recover. The kingdom of God mm-hmm. comes to earth. Yes. In that moment, mm-hmm. the kingdom that that Jesus's prayer mm-hmm. is fulfilled. Yeah. On earth as it is in heaven. I exactly. believe that healing, whenever you lay hands on the sick and they are healed, that that is the fulfillment of Jesus's prayer of on earth as it is in heaven. Right, and that's what the church is when it's done right. It, it's about a, a community that can come together, that can love and can grow. Right. It's about, an, a, you know, being there for, for each other in love. And so when we try to say that, you know, you have to do this my way, we're trying to get away from that idea of, of this table's open to everybody right. and saying, no, 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 it has to be done just like this, just yep. like me. My way of thinking, my denomination my theology. Yep. And so we're shutting the door on so much of, of other people's experiences, so much of other beliefs and, and, yeah. and theology. And honestly, so much of, of what people can, what we can learn from, from right. others, you know? And I think to like, I would even encourage, like if you are deconstructing, I, I do think there are some things that you shouldn't do though. Yeah. While deconstructing. Yeah. Like don't, deconstruct on Facebook. <laughs> it's not, not the best move. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and, or TikTok. Or it's TikTok. Not the smartest. <laughs> Don't deconstruct just because other people are doing it. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and you know, I know that's, I, I don't want to downplay anybody. Like, and if you're inspired to deconstruct because you hear the way that other people are talking about it. Yeah. Sure. That's one thing. Yeah. That's wonderful. But you know, it, it's it very much is just embracing ambiguity. Like yes. don't avoid ambiguity in deconstruction. Don't avoid mystery. Yeah. In deconstruction. Don't avoid questions in deconstruction. Yeah. Like I I would say don't deconstruct because you're upset about something. Deconstruct because you have questions about something. Right. Right. Because that will lead you into more truth. And yeah. that's the point of deconstruction mm-hmm. is being led into more truth. And exactly. the spirit promises to lead you into more truth. Exactly. I think, um, you know, the, the, the phrase to sum up a lot of the myths about this is the famous phrase, deconstruction is just destruction. Right. And what <laughs> yeah. people don't understand is that we're not here to destroy anything no. that is good and that is true. Right. We're here only to destroy the things that are marring what is good and yeah. what is true and what what is har- harming people. Right. Um but what but 
what we're really doing is trying to return, at least for you and I, speaking on our own behalf, I'm not saying yeah. this for everyone, but what you and I have been trying to do is learn slowly and to return to Christians, Christianity's roots yeah, and to return to the church fathers slowly. It's a, it's a long process. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Let's be honest. It's a lot to read. So it's yeah. not something that we do overnight, yeah. but we're growing in that direction. And right. And, and, and so this is not about just throwing a Molotov cocktail into the whole religious structure because right. we're angry. Right. No, this is about finding deeper faith. Yeah. I would even argue, too, that people who completely left the faith through their deconstruction season didn't set out to do that. Yeah. You know, they weren't trying to destroy their faith. They yeah. weren't trying to destroy their belief in Jesus. Yeah. Because, again a lot of people find identity and hope and comfort in that belief. Yeah. But they weren't able to reconcile what they saw with what they believed to be true. Yeah. And I even think that sometimes if if someone deconstructs out of their faith entirely, yes, of course, we would say, well, we'd prefer for them to still be a Christian. But still, even then, I don't even see that as a bad step. No. They still have plenty of time to make more steps. Correct. The Lord is still working on them. I think that first step, even though for now it landed them out of faith, could still very well be a good step. Correct. It's like if someone has tumors, first you have to remove the thing that's killing them, and then you have to stitch them up and heal them. Right. And maybe all they've done so far is remove the bad things. I, in other words, they got away from bad destructive theology, bad right. ways to interpret the Bible, bad ways to to do church. Yep. And now, sure, they haven't fully healed yet, but that's still good that that first step is done. Correct. Correct. You know. So, so I think Christians need to do this with patience, understanding that this is not something that happens overnight, but it's a it's a really a journey that yeah. you're going to be on. You need to have grace for Christians who do not agree with you. And understand that we're all in different phases, right. and that's okay. And also, we need to fend off cynicism. Yeah, it's so easy as I deconstruct different beliefs that I used to hold. It's it would be so easy to just look back at churches with a very cynical attitude, right? Angry about this and that that they taught, angry about the things that I was told growing up, and and you don't want to fall into that because if you do, it can be hard to get out of it, right? Yep. And honestly, that may be the biggest pitfall in deconstruction that leads people from not remaining a Christian. Yeah. Um, is that we, and, and again, I'm not saying that to denigrate anyone who's, sure. who's done that. I'm just saying that that's something that I'm trying to avoid. Right. Uh, is is getting into that cynical look. look. Um, instead, we need to understand that Christianity is a family, and families have issues. Yes, families, they do. Families fight. Families have problems. Yep. And, but yet, maybe it's in all of this together in your spiritual journey, even the things that you don't agree with anymore, even the things that you deconstructed, maybe all of those together can... can lead us towards Make true us faith. all in all. Yeah. With Jesus. Jesus is about reconciliation. Yep. It's about taking everything in this world and reconciling it to him so he's made all in all. Yep. So maybe that is is a healthier way to view deconstruction. Yeah. Well, I hope we, uh, we addressed some of the myths yeah. of deconstruction. If you're deconstructing and your parents don't understand just send them this podcast yeah yeah and and for those parents uh one last hi yeah hello for the parents watching this podcast because their kids sent it to them and said this is why i believe what i believe now yeah um we aren't trying to ruin (laughs) your children um we aren't trying to lead them astray i promise i'm not the antichrist i might be joey might be somebody (laughs) made some tiktoks about us being the antichrist before um we we Aren't wolf and sheep's? We aren't wolves in sheep's clothing, um, as far as we know. One of the myths I hear is you're just liberals. Deconstructed Christians are just trying to be liberals. Yeah, it's hilarious. If you knew Brandon, not, I'm not a liberal. I, I'm, I'm. Joey I'm, leans more that way. I'm more liberal, but like that's not what this is about. No. So don't worry. We're not just turning your kids into. No, we're not turning them into the left wing. You know, extremists. We're trying to turn them into Christians. We're trying to turn them into more (laughs) true Christians. Yeah. And we would love for you to join us. So drop a comment down below about About how we're just a bunch of liberals who hate the Bible and (laughs) and are having an excuse. If you made it this far on the podcast, please comment below that we're just a bunch of liberals. I would love to see those comments. Yeah, who just have an excuse to sin and who were never real Christians speaking. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, again, as always, thank you so much for joining us on the All Things Reconsidered podcast. Thanks, guys. Uh, Joey mentioned it earlier in the episode, but I feel the need to uh, reiterate it. We are not theologians. It's true. Um, but we're just talking. 
And I'm glad that some people just enjoy listening to me and Joey talk about these things because I feel like we talk about them in a very approachable manner. Yeah. Um, if you enjoyed the episode, like we said at the top of the episode, make sure you click subscribe, like the video, leave us a comment, share it with your friends, family, those who are concerned for you, and those <laughs> who are thinking about starting their own deconstruction journey. Yeah. Um, we want to be a resource for those deconstructing, those who have deconstructed, and mm-hmm. those who are thinking about deconstructing. Mm-hmm. Um. I think that about covers it. Yep. Hit us up on Patreon, uh, patreon.com slash all things reconsidered. We will link to it below to join our um, Patreon our Discord, Discord server. Yeah. Um, and while I'm thinking about it, we need to do some quick shout outs of our patrons. Oh, okay. So quick thank you to James, Krissa, Mackie, Brianne, Grey Wolf, Mikey Boy, Miriam, Morgan, Oops, I Spilled. <laughs> Thank you guys so much for your continued support on Patreon. Yes. We love you big. We love seeing you guys in the chat. We love seeing everybody in the chat. Yeah, as well as the, the VBS tier who isn't mentioned here, but you guys as well. Yes, we you love our VBS kids. Yes. And uh, we'll, we'll go ahead and end it there. Thanks again, guys. We love you all.